Gewurztraner. No, how's that feel? Gewurztra. Gewurztraminer. Gewurztraminer. Yes, we made it. Three, two, one. Gewurztraminer. Yes, finally. My God, what a difficult grape to pronounce. <laughs> uh, welcome back on Grapes, uh, Season 1, Episode 13. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. Back, back online after uh, a couple of weeks of a break where life got in the way and technical issues as well. They didn't allow to record uh, uh, our beautiful podcast. Uh, but yeah, we finally made it. We're back here and uh, we're going to talk this week about our uh, uh, grey variety, as we just said, Gewurztraminer. Yeah. But first of all, how are you feel? Yeah, uh, good. It's a terrific grape and uh, looking forward to discussing it with everyone. Yeah, indeed. Well, as we usually do, let's let's mention a couple of uh, uh, history facts uh, about Gewurztraminer. So I've been reading a bit about it uh, and uh, uh, it, it, it's a bit complicated uh, tracing back the story, uh, mostly because uh, of uh, a very unstable genome of this uh, particular grey variety. Uh, it had lots of mutations throughout centuries, and uh, uh, there's not much written about it uh, in the past. But uh, if we have to take a step back and try to start from the beginning of it, what we know is that uh, um, it all started with the ancient Traminer variety, which is uh, a, a green skin grape, so a white grape, uh, originary from the village of Tramin or Tramin in, uh, in the northeast of Italy, in Sutirol or Alto Adige, as we say. Uh, so it all started from there, which is a German speaking region. Uh, Many subclones then throughout the centuries were found uh, um, over Austria, Savoie in France, Switzerland, Hungary, Romania, and all, all around, you know, uh, let's say the, the center uh, of Europe, uh, all traced back to Traminer. Uh, at some point, uh, some says in Alsace, this particular grey variety uh, mutated into a, a, a form uh, with, a, with a sort of a pink skin grape called Red Traminer back then. The, the expert amphilographer Pierre Gallet, or Gallet, uh, is French, uh, I really don't know how to pronounce it properly, <laughs> uh, believed that uh, the, this kind of muscat-like mutation led, led to an extra aromatic uh, Traminer, uh, then named by the Germans Gewurztraminer, where Gewurz stands for herbal, spice, so aromatic. Um, we then you're gonna then explain us a bit more about the years of production, but I guess we can say that uh, uh, nowadays uh, uh, probably the the, the Alsatian Gewurztraminer is the one that uh, everyone knows in the world. Yes, it is, um, and uh, although it's got quite an interesting history, as you say, to where it actually originates from, but uh, Alsace in modern times is sort of considered as its, its home. Um, certainly in terms of production, um, there is over 7,000 acres of land growing in Alsace, which accounts for about 20% of total grapes grown in the area, um, which is the, the largest in the world by quite some way, which you will look at. Um, in Alsace, it's considered one of the four Grand Cru grapes. It's so very prestigious and worth looking for that 
term on your wine labels when you're in your local wine shop. Um, it will sort of mean uh, more cost, but um, you know, if you see it, that's why the quality is there. Um, the grape itself, it likes a cool to moderate climate like you find in Alsace. And it's most widely planted in the hot Rhin area there, where it's particularly suited to the clay-rich soils that are found in the foothills of the Vosges Mountains. Now, the mountains also protect the vines, the vines from quite wet, fierce westerly winds. Um, in this area, the hot Rhin, you'll find the highest number of Grand Cru sites in Alsace here. Um, elsewhere in Europe, it is still grown in Germany, specifically in the Rheinfeld and the Baden regions where there's around 2,000 acres dedicated to the growth of Grubitz Premier there. Um, really though, if you follow the foothills of the Alps, as you sort of alluded to earlier, you can practically find it everywhere from Northern Italy, Austria, um, right round um, to the sort of more obscure countries like Romania, Hungary, Slovenia, um, also being Italian, uh, you're familiar with it, but the, the Alto Adige region uh, is quite prestigious for uh, Grubitz Premier there. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of outside of Europe, uh, the United States is actually the next most significant area um, with around 3,000 acres of growth, which is still less than half of the Alsatian uh, amount. So um, it just tells you the prominence it has there. Vines in the States were planted in the 1960s, again in the sort of cooler areas in California on the West Coast, um, sites like Sonoma, and Monterey is slightly more in, um, inland and particularly on higher slopes. Um, and then we go down under to Australia as well, where you find some very credible wines, namely from the Clare Valley, um, which is also known for Riesling, which is quite similar um, in sort of style. Um, yeah, so that's in the north of Adelaide, uh, sorry, in the north, um, in the south of the country, north of Adelaide. <laughs> sorry, tongue twister. Um, New Zealand too, in Hawke's Bay in the North Island, um, which grows around a thousand acres too. Slightly more moderate conditions there again, so you'll find it there. It's coming more apparent in our wine shelves as well from the UK. Um, for value, look no further than Chile. Uh, we're beginning to see more and more of it come over here again, like New Zealand. Often organically farmed, uh, with sustainability in mind. Here the vines are cooled by the ocean climate and again it's got those mountainous conditions as well. Um, so yeah, that's the sort of the main areas of production for Gewürztraminer. So yeah, planted pretty pretty much everywhere. Um, however, uh, if we are to discuss, you know, the, the planting grape sort of characteristics, um, well, first of all, uh, as I mentioned earlier as well, it got this kind of pink to red skin color, but uh, it produces a white wine um, as it's very low in uh, uh, polyphenols in color. So even though uh, the, the color is quite bright and dark, then when, when pressed and separated from the skin, the, white, the wine tends to be quite clear and white uh, due to the low concentration of color in the fruits. Uh, it has a very high natural sugars as a plant, which then leads to uh, high alcohol in the wine. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's a multitude of crosses and subclones all over Europe and the world. So uh, the the Alto Adige Gewurztraminer is completely different in flavors than the Alsatian one, for example. No, uh, but they all share the same characteristics, which is that they're all very, uh, very fussy about uh, soil and climate. Uh, even though it's a vigorous vine, in fact, it hates uh, uh, chalky soils 
and it, and it's really prone to diseases uh, such as you know maldi uh, rot and um, and all sort of uh, uh, kind of delicate plant diseases uh, it, it buds quite early uh, however because of it it's susceptible to frost in cool climate regions uh, it needs very dry and warm summers so it's not really friendly with, with rain and waterfall and uh, and it ripens very late as well so again in this case the picking time is really c- crucial for uh, for this great variety if you if, if, if you pick it too early then it will lack of aromas otherwise it will lack of acidity if picked too late uh, so a really complicated grape to grow i guess uh, and uh, it, it's actually quite remarkable how in uh, alsace they managed then to make it become uh, a grand cru as, as you mentioned yeah yeah just uh, i guess years of uh, craft and knowing the land and learning i guess um so the flavor profiles uh, you might be wondering about um because it's, it's, it's quite a pungent wine it's famed for its aromatic qualities so you can expect pronounced aromas of things like lychees and rose petals that really leap out of the glass there um, as well as things like ginger and sweet bacon spice i quite like to describe it as sort of like Turkish delight in a glass and you'll see why if you try the wine um, it's quite apparent. Um, they tend to be quite rich and quite full-bodied, uh, with low to medium acidity. Sometimes a little bit of an oily texture. Um, it, I guess it can be described as a bit of a Marmite wine. Um, I really okay. like it, personally. Um, but worth mentioning that wines can be dry or sweet as well. Uh, you mentioned the high sugar concentration. Um, and yeah. uh, that can also um, mean it can have quite high alcohol content. Um, and it can actually go as high as 14% ABV, so quite high for a white wine. But yeah, touched like in a glass is a sort of the small snapshot of uh, the flavour profiles. Um, so that leads us to food pairings. Are you hungry? You had your lunch? Well, I had my lunch, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what, what, what these sort of flavours, like Turkish light or lychees, as you, man- as you mentioned, can pair, you know, because it, it's, quite, it's quite difficult, I guess. Yeah, it is. Um, as you can see from that description, there's, there's a lot going on, but I sort of, uh, I think it works fantastically with Asian food. And I'm going to start with my favourite meat, which is duck. Um, it likes sweet things. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking a Thai red duck curry here. Um, it's got the sweet meat, as I say, and aromatic qualities in the wine, really harmonised with the heat from uh, things like the ginger and the sweet coconut milk. Again, as I mentioned, in previous episodes, think about flavours in the wine that's also in the food, and they really um, improve each other, bring the best out. Um, I could often cook the duck breast in five spice or Szechuan pepper and pan fry it as well. And again, it's got those similar sort of styles of um, flavour profiles there. Um, Stir fry vegetables as well. Uh, the flavours of the spice and the wine really just tantalise the palate there. Those sort of Szechuan, that floral notes, you know. Um, sticking with the surf, surfer idea, super quick and healthy if you're going for a seafood option. Some fresh prawns uh, with chilli in there. Again, the, the sweetness of the shellfish work well with the wine, really enhance it. Um, and uh, Indian food too. Uh, again, stay on that sort of Asian sort of spice note. Um, great for sharing as well. You know, go to a BYOB place, get loads of little Indian 
uh, starters and tapas dishes or biryani if you think um put the nutty rice lots of sweet onions in there and it's versatile so that's why it works well with indian food i think because it can go with meat it can go with seafood and it can go with vegetarian curries alike um dessert wise i've chosen apple crumble i think it works brilliantly um you've got the cinnamon and the tartness of the apples and sort of the nuttiness of the crumble um the aromatic wine is just delicious so you go for a sweet or a dry wine here um and then lastly to your cheese board options uh, i'm going for one of my favorites which is a french cheese epoise it's punchy it's creamy. Ooh, i love that yeah it's rich really decadent but those lychee the rose and the ginger flavors with the cheese when you eat that and take a sip it really dances on the palate um for a more sort of um local cheese uh, stinking bishop sort of similar in terms of texture if you can to- i can't tolerate the stench of stinking bishop but it does taste a lot nicer in the mouth but again it does the same job as the plus and uh the wine scores great with it um so yeah that is my food pairings for the week that's fantastic yeah yeah i can see why you you know you you, you matched it with uh, either sweet or savory or strong flavor kind of uh, food yeah. uh, for a wine like this you, you need something that can match the the intensity of aromas as well so yeah i think uh, i think it's uh, it, it all totally makes sense yeah uh, well we, we must try to to know but uh, uh, so far at the moment we don't have uh ducks or uh, epoise on hands so i trust your words <laughs> yeah, yeah um but it's also a good wine if <laughs> people who maybe have not tried it um i could quite often um go to for going out for food and go to a byob place with friends buy a bottle you've not tried before like a givers tweener you know um and just try something different and share it with your friends and you can chat about it you know it's great for that sort of thing too absolutely uh what do you think about pairing it with sushi because uh, i tried uh, a very nice chili and gustramino once uh, in a sushi place and I, I, it was kind of dry uh, right. you know with a bit of uh, sugar levels in it and uh, it was fantastic actually yeah i could definitely see that working it's not got a lot of acidity to it as well so it can be quite delicate but it also brings a sort of the floralness and i think it works quite well with uh obviously it could be rice based in the sushi and fish as i say the sort of the sweet uh things like prawns and scallops things like that so yeah it would definitely be a great pairing for sushi absolutely and again you know, for, those, those asian flavors as well the aromats and things so yeah perfect nice one so you know for those that are uh, uh on a diet you know sushi is really low caloric so you can counterbalance it with uh yeah. with a high sugar level of gabustramina no so <laughs> that kind of makes it okay you're not having too much calories <laughs> <you know? laughs> absolutely uh, absolutely yeah good choice Yeah, somebody's dieting, yeah, you can tell. So, do you have any recommendations for us this week? Uh well, uh, yes, I do, but uh, um I want to talk a bit about uh, um let's call it a fun fact, uh, which is the the history of an Alsatian uh, winery called Best Time. Uh I don't know if you if you heard of them before. Uh, I pick, I picked the, the story of this winery because it's quite um It's quite unusual uh, for uh, for French wine making mostly in the area of Alsace where everything is all about uh, you know family run tradition fifth generations of uh, of uh, uh, winery names uh, uh, keep on doing uh, amazing wines best time uh, in in the valley set a new trend uh, so if i say something like uh, uh, 71 different villages 
something like uh, 300 families involved, actually 380 to be exact, families involved and uh, uh, 428 uh, uh, different uh, uh, wine growers. I'm actually talking uh, of uh, uh, a cooperative model, the best time started okay. uh, in Alsace, which, which kind of uh, uh, set, set the trend nowadays, also in other wine regions in the world. Uh, but um, basically in 1765, the, the Maison Heim, no, from Best Heim, um, started to produce wine in perfect uh, you know, fashion and tradition, uh, mm. as it was in fashion at the time. Uh, and then uh, uh, in, in the uh, late 90s, in 1997, uh, they decided to join forces uh, uh, with, with another uh, two wineries called Cav de Westalen and Cav de Ben Weir. My German is awful. <laughs> um, and together they created Bastheim and they joined forces with, uh, uh, with, with all of these small wine growers and families that I mentioned earlier in order to be able to compete uh, with the bigger players of Alsace. Okay. In Dumbrecht, I make an example, or uh, uh, Trimbach. Uh, amazing wines, amazing wineries with a big yeah. reputation that uh, so far on the market were, were, were really unchallenged you know, by, by others. This sort of cooperative uh, has been called uh, uh, under, well, they go under the nickname Moon Chasers. Uh, they produce several different wines uh, typical from Alsace, uh, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, of course, and uh, um, you know, it's a very unique, risky venture putting together uh, so many people. You know, you can yeah. imagine it's not it's not an easy thing to do. And uh, when it comes to decision making, you you actually got to involve uh, uh, an auditorium, a theater yeah. full of people, right? But uh, uh, that leads to first of all sustainability, uh, good volumes of production, and and a very high quality of the wines as well. They they farm organic as well. So a really interesting project. I was really fascinated by this. Uh, I know they're not the only ones doing that, right. but somehow in a, in a wine region like Alsace, uh, you know, it's something quite uh, quite different, let's say, no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... So that was the, the, the little fun fact for, for today, but uh, let's go to the, to the main part, uh, as somebody mentioned a while back of this podcast, which is the wine recommendation. <laughs> uh, what have you got for us? Um, so, as my sort of uh, my special bottle, um, I've went to a producer called uh, Hugel, uh, which is a very ancient producer. This is a, a Vendage Tardis, which is a, a late harvest, two thousand and nine, which is it's around fifty-five, sixty pounds uh, from various online stockists. Um, Hugo have got a very long history of winemaking in Alsace, dating as far back as the 1600s. So it's quite a classic flavour profile of a Gewürztraminer, but it's, it's got a bit of sweetness to it, but it's very well balanced. And a wine that's uh, £55, it's not a ridiculous price, but you know, a real treat. Um, so that is my special bottle. But a good value for money at that price, absolutely. What about yourself? Well, uh, as a finer one, let's say, uh, after all of the story I did with Best Time, I actually went for their competitors. <laughs> the domain, domains in Dumbrecht, one of the, the biggest names of Alsace. Uh, the one I've picked is the Gewürztraminer Heinst, okay. uh, H-E-N-G-S-T. Uh, vintage 2018, 
Uh, it sells for 72 pounds. Uh, the legendary wine merchant called Adonis Wine in London stocks it, uh, probably one of the best uh, uh, wine shops in the whole world. Uh, and it, it's it's really it's really unique because you got this kind of ripe tangerine, barley sugar flavors, uh, kind of a um, off dry sweet feel of lychees, as you said, Turkish delights. Uh, but then it's still very fresh and crisp. It's it's a very, um, you know, uh, got very high potential for aging as a wine. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's fantastic. And Zindunbrecht is always uh, uh, a symptom of high quality. That's for then the, the medium one, so let's say it's something that is a bit special, but uh, it's not, uh, uh, doesn't come cheap, let's say. I've, uh, I've picked uh, um, an Italian wine from Alto Adige, from City Row. <laughs> Uh, from uh, uh, Cantina Tramin or Kellerei Tramin, so the the winery they actually took the name of uh, the town where uh, the grape is born. Uh, right. Now bear in mind because I'm throwing out some really good German, eh? be ready, my <laughs> god, Nussenbaumer uh, or something like that, which is uh, um, this Alto Adige style, so it's very elegant. You got this kind of white flower, soft lime, bergamot tea, and rose petals flavor. Okay. It's quite dry in, in, in style. It's not an off dry sweet wine. It's more of a crisp and dry uh, wine. Uh, it, you can find it online in the UK from a company called Millesima, and it sells for around 25, 27 pounds the bottle. Okay, nice. Um, that was yeah. That was actually one of my options as well. That I was considering, um, but I actually I, I stayed with uh, an Alsace and uh, another Zinfandel wine. Um, like you say, it's just a, it's got a, it's a great reputation um, for producing great wines. It's a biodynamic winery as well. Uh, this is a Zinfandel uh, Turkheim, and it's twenty two pounds. Um, I, I mentioned the touch light in the glass, and um, that is exactly what it is. Um, it's, the story behind this is actually I bought a bottle for my partner Sarah's Christmas a few years ago uh, and I gave it to her and she poured a glass and like I said it was a bit of a Marmite wine she didn't like it um, so I ended up having to drink it which is oh, a real what a shame <laughs> what a shame eh? <laughs> yeah but no it's, just, it's, a, it's a real thinker because it, it was late at night and I was sitting myself and I could sort of sip it and really think about all those flavours and it was just it was nice it was rich it's sort of elegant at the same time, and those Turkish delight, the lychee flavors, a bit of ginger spice, just a beautiful, beautiful wine. At twenty-two pounds, you know, it's not breaking the bank. Um, it's a real winner. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for my everyday, uh, as you mentioned, Chile earlier on for for value wines in general, I'd say, but mostly with Gewürztraminer. Uh, I've picked a winery called Connoisseur. Uh, Bicicleta Reserva. That's a very interesting uh, um, game of It's actually the one that I've tried in that Japanese restaurant I was talking right, about. Okay. And uh, it's very aromatic and floral. It got this kind of creamy and strong lychee notes. Uh, the sugar level, it's uh, it's there, but it's not too sweet. It's uh, it makes it uh, uh, pairable and interesting also for you know uh, salty, savory kind of food. Nice. Uh, typical from the Colchagua Valley. 
Now, I couldn't find it anywhere online uh, in regards of who sells it in the UK. Uh, but uh, I remember seeing Connoisseur wine uh, in Waitrose a while back. So I suspect Waitrose somehow has also the Gegustraminer. And uh, the price uh, um, sits around uh, between 12 and 15 pounds the bottle, depending where you buy it. So again, not breaking the bank, very high quality and uh, a bit of a different kind of country as well for uh, for Gewurztraminer. Okay, cool. Um, so for my sort of uh, everyday bottle, I, I don't need to do too much of an introduction because you already have. I went to the best time and uh, their Diffuser de Lune uh, Gewurztraminer, which is between 12 and 15 pounds. Uh, it's available from Virgin Wines um, and it is quite readily available. Um, but it's good, it's, it's, for the price, it's a real bargain. It's complex, it's very fruity on the palate, um, beautifully balanced with a, a little bit of um, sweetness and perfect for our Chinese with friends. A little bit of spicy food, as I said before. But yeah, 12 quid. If you're new to the grape, a real great place to start. Fantastic. Uh, well, I think we're given some, uh, some nice wines, uh, uh, considering... Uh, the, the fact that you know there's a there's a broad range of uh, production all, all around the world but yeah. i think the ones we picked are actually quite uh, quite uh, representative for what the Straminer is uh, before we wrap it up i just want to um thanks everybody first of all to listen to uh, the podcast of Ichaka. We, we, we made a somewhat a, a personal record uh, on that uh, uh, show as uh, uh, we reach a very high amount of play. So thank you very much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you're going to get in touch with, uh, with Ichaka Winery for a visit or for, uh, for, for their wines. Uh, we launched yesterday our podcast uh, on uh, another platform as well, uh, powered by Amazon, which is Amazon Music or Amazon Podcast. And of course, we are still uh, uh, present in Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't know if you got anything else to add to this, Phil, or uh, if uh, uh, we can say hello to whomever is listening and uh, uh, be back then next week. Yeah, uh, no, I have nothing to add other than, uh, yeah, we'll be back with a, a red grape uh, next week. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we're available, as you say, now on uh, Amazon Podcasts, um, as well as Spotify um, and Apple as well. So yeah, have a good week, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.